you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. There were some prophetic words that came in, and many of them were very much the same thing. And just saying about how our church is crying out for signs and wonders, and our church is crying out for the power of God. The Lord is crying out for something different. He's crying out for holiness in his bride. And this is something that is difficult. You know, it's, we sing these songs about the holiness of God. And to some of you, it, they're just words. But I want to introduce you to the Lord. It's who he is. He is holy. And his demand is that we become holy. And I'm so thankful that while we cannot do that on our own, he gave us Jesus who will fully embrace us and wrap his arms around us, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us. But please understand that the Lord is lifting you up. And it is with the promise that when we purify our hearts of all unrighteousness, he will pour his spirit out. Lord, that's what I'm after. That's what this church is after. That's what this church is after. That's what this church is after. One of the prophetic words wanted to remind us of the little sins that were so easy to ignore. I don't want compromise in my life, Lord. I want what you want. So, Lord, you have to change our hearts. I can remember the first several dates with my wife, Teresa. I was so overwhelmed with how beautiful she was. I didn't know what to say. And I then began to realize, like, that she wants things that I didn't want. And I had to realize, like, if I want her, I want the same things she wants. That's what unity is. And if you want the Lord to move in your life, you have to understand holiness. So I have a strategy for you here today. Everyone, everyone want to hear a strategy? Yes. We're starting something today. Let's go, somebody. It's a seven-day fast. Who's with me? Hey, man. I, uh, I'm so proud of our church. Last week, we had more than 70% of our people raise their hand. Who's fasting with us right now? And this is the strategy of the scripture. He would speak this over the nation of Israel. When you see corruption in the land, when you see corruption in the church, when you see corruption in our generation, and when you know there's corruption within, the Lord would say, I call you to consecrate yourself to a holy fast. And this is what we do. And I can only tell you uh, just a couple of things you need to know about fasting if you've never done it. If you've never fasted before, don't do an absolute fast for seven days. You will, no one will like you in your life, trust me. Uh, but you should give up. Uh, if it doesn't cost you anything, you're not doing it right. Because the Lord's worthy. If it doesn't hurt, you're doing it wrong. We want sacrifice that honors the cross, that reminds us of Jesus and what he gave for us. We want to put our lives in a position that we understand what he gave when he stretched his arms out on the cross for us. Does this make sense? And your, my fast is not better than yours. Your fast cannot be better than mine. It is simply an act of obedience. You ask God, what can I give you that you'll love? 
And he tells you and you obey that. And if it means that your fast is giving up Cheeto puffs, then who am I to get in your way? But obey Christ and make sure it hurts. Or double down. Can I get an amen? amen? I found in my own heart this week what the Lord told Tim Broughton. Some of you always ask, Pastor, what can I pray for? This message is largely going to be about this. The Lord told me that I love to obey him 99%. That's embarrassing. I look for the loophole. I look for the little thing that I can do that's mostly in love with Christ. But if I want him wholeheartedly, if I want to be married and in a beautiful relationship, I don't honor her 99%. And I don't honor my children 99%. I honor them all the way. And my devotion to Christ must be greater than anything else in our lives. Amen? So how do we purify the church? We fast and pray. Uh, yeah, that's part one of... Uh, I have a, I'm going to get to the sermon in about 10 minutes. Micah, would you, would you get me that stool over there? We had a staff meeting this weekend, and several things came up that we wanted to share with you. That it's in that room over there, that room. There's a stool. And um, I felt like... Um, in order, I needed to share our heart with some things about, about the way community church. Because if you're not careful, some of you have been with us for 10 years. I'm so thankful for you. But we're changing right now. And we want to change together. Does that make sense? And so if you're not careful, as we change, you're going to drift apart. And you're going to say, I don't like where they're going. And we want you to come with us. And so there's some growth happening in our church. Some folks aren't going to like it. We're going back to two services next week. I'm so excited. Last week, uh, I don't like two services. I'd much rather have one service all the time. But you need to know there's problems with one service. One, we have about 40 people that's serving this morning that haven't been in our service yet. Because they're pouring their lives out for our children. And we want them to be in our service, don't we? So here's what we can get caught up on. Philippians chapter 2 talks about considering others greater than yourself. This is about us doing this thing together and honoring one another and making each other's lives great. And so our church is growing. He's been calling us to grow for years. Trey and I have fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed. In fact, we've cried out and said, God, we want, we want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. You need to know some people like the church at this size, and I would say to you, you're missing the point, because there's a world that's dying and going the hell out there, and I believe that there's something special that happens when we come together. A lot of people say that there's, there's just something pure and genuine and honest about our church, and I think that the world is looking for something real, and so they're looking for something like this, and we're going to need space for them. This morning, our church is 85% occupied. Statistically, most Americans don't want to join any church that is anything more than that because they have to sit by someone they don't know. That makes them feel uncomfortable. Oh, uh, your pastor is good at making people feel uncomfortable. Um, 
but I want them to enjoy the presence of God as much as they can. We're going to go to two services starting next week. But in order to do it under the strategy that we want to, we can't actually right now. We're going to go back to services at 9.30 and 11. But our hope is to actually get to services at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. So we have time to do all the things that we want to do in service and truly just take our time and sit. But what we know is that the people that work childcare and the people that are on the worship team, they're here for six hours on their day off. And um, that's not okay. But we thank you, Emily, for all of your sacrifice that you give. She's super embarrassed right now. Emily, stand up. It's all right. If she stood up, you wouldn't see her anyway. She's... Here's what you need to know. Our, our, our hope is um, some people love the fact that we get to see people we've never met in our church before. I love that too. But the heart of our church is to stay connected. We need everyone on board. We want to see unity in our church. And what that looks like is everyone doing the same job. Can you imagine if you were in a boat and we're in a race and everyone has oars and we're all, we got a row, we got a row and you look behind you, you're the front of the boat and you look behind and everyone else is chilling. <laughs> no hands on the oar, just eating some bonbons or something like that, you know. And uh, uh, listen, like I want you to enjoy service too, but then you have work to do. Like the Lord didn't pour out his spirit on you so that you would just feel good. There's, there's work to do. And, uh, and so we're not recruiting people to come help us, but we are inviting everyone that wants to grow to understand that you will not grow in Jesus if you are not connected to the body and giving of your gifts. The gifts were designed, the things in you were designed to edify me. I am most encouraged when I see people pouring their life out for Christ. So we have a, a QR code that we're putting on the screen today. And, and what we don't want is more people on three different teams. They say that 60% that, that, that of the church is, or no, like, like, I don't know what they say. Forget that. <laughs> Scan this here. We have multiple teams that will fit different people's personalities. Some people say, uh, people scare me. I'm not good at talking to people. What we want you to know is we know that. Some, some of you are so bad at talking to people, we don't want you to talk to people. <laughs> But, but I know that there is a fear growing in the body of Christ and, and an insecurity that is preventing you from connecting with people. And the problem is that is because you're so focused on you that you can't see the need. When you catch the burden, that goes away. You've got to learn to serve people for all of those insecurities to go away. So we, we honestly, the experience team, Brian and, and Victoria, they've been out there serving, serving, serving. They haven't been in service yet. And they may not be in service for a couple more weeks. We need 30 more people to join the experience team. We need more than 20 more people to join the kids' ministry. We need to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Some of you love God, but you haven't figured out how to pour your life out. And he designed the church to be the most beautiful, radiant thing on the planet. And that's only going to happen when we're in unity and in love with one another. Uh, some of you don't give. 
Uh, I don't know if you know, but this thing ain't free. <laughs> it costs a whole lot. And there's a beautiful offering box right back there. You can drop it off on your way out. Uh, we're not hiding it anymore. It's right there in plain sight. Uh, um, and then here's the last thing I'm going to ask you. How many of you guys still like your pastor? Um, there's something about momentum that's important for ministry and life and things. And I don't know if you can tell, but there's some momentum that our church has right now. I think it has something to do with the gasoline that we're pouring on the Holy Spirit right now, you know. The church fast and all these things. But I, um, I'm asking you if you'd help me. Next week, I, we've, we've been averaging about 380 people at church over the last few weeks, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, for me, I don't know. I, I want to see 600 here next week. And so here's what I've learned as a pastor. I, in, I, I like inviting people to church. But there's a lot of times where they just look at you. But next week is one of the days, the grand opening of our church is one of those days where people will say yes because it's something different, something special. And capitalize on special. Now here's the deal. I don't care if you invite other church friends, but we're not looking for church friends. We want people that don't know who Jesus is. And so if you have a friend, a sinner, man, bring that person. Pay them. Buy them lunch. Do whatever you got to do. But we want to make it hard to go to hell. Amen? And so let's do what we can to bring people into the house of God next week. We'll have service at 9.30 and 11. We'll have food. We're going to do a ribbon cutting before service. They said 9 o'clock. I was told. And I'm not, I don't even know what happens at a ribbon cutting, but I'm really excited about it. We'll have photo booths for you and all the things. But I think God's doing something special in our church. And I'd like you to invite some friends to come with you. Can you do that? They said, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Who's willing to labor with me? God, I want, I want your heart, you know? Like in the story of the lost sheep. You said you'd leave, like, church to go find the one. I pray you put that in our heart this week. Put people on our heart that we've bookmarked and help us to figure out a way to make you beautiful for them. We love you. In Jesus' name. Um, go with the gospel, invite a friend, sanctity of life, prophetic words. All right, we're done. All right, no, I'm just kidding. We'll do the sermon now. All right, here we go. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm going to read a scripture, and then, uh, but this is just to tell you what we're trying to do. We need you to know that the altars are open at church every week. We want that to be a culture in our church where if your worship is going on, you don't have to wait for us to come down front. We want you to know that if you want to go after the Lord, so do I. I want you to know that when I see Gary Kruger and Dana kneeling on the altar, it makes me hungrier. See, hunger begots hunger. When you see someone that's radical for Jesus and you know that they love the same God and Lord that you love, it turns something inside of you. And you're like, man, I want, I want to go after the Lord. I want to love Jesus like that. And so I would just ask you, don't be ashamed of the gospel that we love, you know? If you want Jesus, come down. You can come down now and pray, you know? Please open. Uh, 
But we only know the altars are open before and after service, moving forward forever. Um, we want our church to be a, a house of Bethany. And uh, in scripture, as I've been seeing more and more, that Bethany is a place that Jesus loved to visit. And I've been staring at these verses on my computer, reading them every morning. There's, there's some 16 passages that talks about Jesus' visit to the town of Bethany, which is about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And you'd find that when Jesus lays Lazarus from the dead, one of the coolest stories in all the Bible happened in the town of Bethany. When Jesus uh, entered into Jerusalem on the colt uh, and for, for the triumphal entry, you know, Palm Sunday, he came out of Bethany. And when he cleared the temple and told everyone that his house shall be a house of prayer, he went back afterwards that night to the town of Bethany. And when Jesus rose from the grave and he visited the disciples on the road to Emmaus and he laid hands on the disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then the scripture says that he ascended to the Father. You know where Jesus was resurrected? Or when he ascended to the Father, he was there in his favorite town of Bethany. And the wonderful stories that I'm going to read to you this morning. Oh, man, that gets my heart going. You know, Jesus was anointed when someone poured oil on his feet in the town of and there was another story also happened the same week where they poured oil on his head. And it happened in the town of Bethany. And I think that's so wonderful because I think that Jesus really, he wanted to stay there because there were people that really just loved him differently there. I don't want to love religion. I want to love Jesus. I don't want to love church services. I want to love Jesus. I don't want to love worship teams and good music and lights. I want to love Jesus. And I want to be in the place that the Lord loves to pour his spirit out. Can I get an amen? amen. So I'm going to have all of you to stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word. Longest intro you've ever heard in your whole life. Right there it was. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to take you guys um, to the gospel of Mark chapter 14 to the verse 3. This town, this, this passage, it, it upsets me. I'm not going to lie. When Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy, he, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of the essence of Nard. She broke open that jar and she poured the perfume over his head. And some of those that were at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume? They asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. 
She has done what she could and has anointed my body ahead of t- uh, for burial ahead of time. And I tell you the truth, that wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Dear Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. So I'm reading this passage. There are several things that stood out to me this week. I've read this verse over the last three weeks, probably about 25 times. And I've read this in the course of my life countless times. And I never read the first sentence. Because when I know this story's coming, I jump ahead to my favorite part. So I thought how wonderful it was that in Mark chapter 14, verse 3, it says that the This happened at Bethany, at the home of Simon, a man who previously had leprosy. He's trying to say something quite significant here. I don't know if you understand, but this guy had leprosy, Simon. Jesus touched a guy that no one's allowed to touch. In fact, this guy was so untouchable That once he would have found out that he had leprosy, no longer was he allowed to work because you couldn't touch anything that he touched out of fear that if you touched it, that germ would be passed on. Remember COVID-19 and how crazy people were with their cans of aerosol and they would go around spraying down chairs at church, you know? We wanted to make sure that we didn't spread the germs. And this isn't even a flesh-eating bacteria, that smelt disgusting and decayed your body with sores everywhere. But these people then couldn't work. And they also couldn't go to the market to buy anything because they weren't allowed to touch money. Because if they touched money and they handed it to someone else, then that money would be contaminated and it would have been passed through the villages. Like Jesus went to a guy's house that no one touched And he went to a man's house that everything there would have been infected. And so Jesus didn't just heal the man, but he healed everything that this man had been around. He made it in such a way that he wanted this guy to know that I know what you've been through. I know that no one would be around you. I know that you were rejected, like rejected, like abandoned by people. But I am receiving you in such a way that I want you to know that you are completely okay with me and all of my people. I want you to know, like, I've been there where people that were righteous looked at me in such a way and sidestepped me. I'm so thankful for the pastor that walked into my hospital room after I cussed him out and let me know that he wouldn't stop praying for me and that he believed in me. Some people would walk past people that, aren't, that don't look like us. And I'm just thankful that Jesus... He rejects rejection. He completely said, like, Simon, I'm coming to your house. No, no, no. I'm bringing my people to your house. Like, like you know what that would have done to this guy on the inside, knowing that the rest of his life he's never going to have someone close to him again? I'm so thankful that the Lord knows all of me. Maybe I'm reading too far into that, but he went to his house ate his food, touched his dinner table, ate from his fork. 
so thankful for the way God loves me. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke it open, the jar, and she poured the perfume over his head. Now, you need to know that nard um, has special qualities. It's, it's designed um, to, to have calming properties. It's designed to put someone at peace. It'd be like lavender nowadays. All of you guys that have the, uh, what is the, the what you call oils that, that smell real good and you come in your house and, you, and you, you're in a bad mood and so you need, you need to get to your lavender stuff. You know what I'm talking about? You know who you are. You know, you've been to their house. And, uh, and so she took this bottle and she poured it over his head. Now this scripture says that this perfume was so valuable that it was a year's wage of perfume. So actually other translations uh, would say that the, the Greek word for this would have been 300 denarii, which, which is almost a year's worth of wages. And honest to God, if we weren't religious for a second, that's a lot of money to spend in one moment doing anything. That's a lot of money to spend on a house. Like if you got all of your money for the year, that's a lot of money to spend on a car. That's a lot of money to spend on, on anything. And she took all of it, not even to buy meal. She, didn't, she wasn't even a guest there. She broke into this house, uninvited, and poured it out on his head. First of all, that's weird and offensive. Please don't do that to me at our staff meeting next week. Like I, I freak people out. But she wasn't caring about what other people thought. She wanted to give the Lord something beautiful. Now what bothers me, you heard me talking about this a little bit last week, is this is where we are. How many of you can, the mission of our church is to raise up disciples. Can I get a show of hands here? Who considers themselves to be a disciple of Jesus? This is what really bothers me about this passage. Now, all of the disciples freaked out when she did this, saying, dude, do you know how many children we could have fed with that? You know what we could have done with that money? And they're not wrong. And I found in my own heart this week, I, I, I found some sin that I, I've been dismissive of. I, I cuss, sometimes a lot, and I justify it. And I found in the Lord saying, Tim, this is not okay. But I think of how many other good words I say. I'm really good at loving people. I'm really good at being kind. I'm really good. Like, so what I say, like a couple of bad words, I was raised to talk like that. I come from a family that talks like that. These aren't bad words to me. But they are to him. And I'm, I've been a believer for 23 years and I'm still justifying my own sin. I love to obey the Lord 99%, but not 100%. And when I hear the disciples react this way, they're like, lady, couldn't you have just poured out some of the oil and saved some of it to be sold so that we can feed people? And what's crazy about this is Jesus rebuked the disciples and he said, this was done for me. She did this to minister to me. 
He rebuked the disciples. They were indignant, and he scolded them, the Bible says. He scolded them. I don't know, but that sounds like a third-grade teacher yelling at little children. He scolded them. That's awful. That is like the worst kind of being yelled at. Some of you are third-grade teachers here, and I apologize. (laughs) But when I think about this, What is really bonkers is that this is not the first time that this happened. In fact, if you were to read the scriptures, you would find out that it was the second time that it happened this week in the same town. Because you guys know Lazarus, he had two sisters named Mary and Martha. Well, it was also in the town of Bethany that Mary sat at his feet and poured oil on his feet and wet them with her hair and dried them with her tears or dried her tears with her hair. And Jesus and the disciples got all butthurt about that too. Can I say butthurt? I said, <laughs> and they got all upset and Jesus rebuked them. And here's the problem is that you don't understand That something is in God's heart that's not in ours. We want more church. But he wants people to be saved. He wants people working, pouring out their lives. He wants us to get busy with the gospel of Jesus. And some of us haven't shared our God, the faith that we have, or what Jesus has done in our life with anybody for years. And someone walks in, and they're doing something that's ministering to the Lord. And we're upset. And you're saying, oh, Pastor Tim, come on, that's a little religious. Oh, no, no, it happens, man. I think I can show you another thing that was in my heart. This is a different kind of religious. I uh, I used to coach baseball. I was one of the best baseball coaches in the county. It wasn't because my son is really good at baseball. It was because I am really good at coaching. We beat up teams all the time. We we, Remember, Michael, we beat up that one team. We beat them so bad. We were up by like 15 runs in like the second inning. And so I feel bad they can't get anyone out on our team. Even the kids that can't hit the ball are hitting home runs. And it was unbelievable. So I tell the kids, hey, I need you to go up there and bat the opposite way that you don't know how to hit. And they're still smashing it. And we were doing so good. The other team was so mad at us. So mad at us. Remember how mad they were? Oh, man, they were mad. <laughs> the coaches didn't want to shake our hand or nothing. Like, I can't do that. We're good. You know what I mean? We're a good team. The next week, we came to play baseball. And this team came up, and they were playing us, and we were like the best team. We won a championship that year. And this team came up, and they, they hit a home run. I was, oh, man, that was a really good hit. Sorry. The next kid comes up to bat. Hits a home run. Whoa, what in the world? Next inning, the same kid comes up to bat. He didn't hit a ball all year long. Didn't hit a ball. Crushed a home run. You know what I'm thinking? There's got to be something wrong with that kid's bat. We got to get the umpire to check the bat because this ain't right. Because it's okay when I'm winning, but it's not okay when you're winning. Here's what's happening. The disciples love Jesus. They loved it when Jesus looked at them. But when someone comes in and is so thankful for all the things that the Lord did in their life, 
People don't like it. It makes other people uncomfortable when you worship loud. Or you throw yourself in the altar. Well, you know what? I talk to about all of you, every single person in our church I talked to this week. I did not. That's an exaggeration. People loved last week's service. You know why? Because we were all here. But when people are going hard after the Lord and spend their life here, it makes us feel uncomfortable because we're sitting comfortably. The gospel didn't call you to be comfortable. And when this story is happening and this lady is pouring out all of her perfume, not 50% of it, not 10% of it, she's not bringing her tithe, she's not even bringing one week's worth of earnings, she's pouring it all out on Jesus. Everyone is getting uncomfortable. But the Lord... Now, here's what I want you to understand. I thought about this. Why would she pour it on his head? Why would she pour it on Jesus' head? And Jesus said, she did this for my burial. You know what I begin to think about? It's interesting to me that someone else poured it on his feet. Someone else poured it on his head. And if you would read the scripture, Jesus was terrified of what was coming to him that week. He would cry out to God, oh God, if there's any way, I don't have to do this. If you could just pass this cup from me. But when this woman came in and brought Jesus something beautiful, it reminded him that what he was doing was from the Lord. That he was obeying, he was making the right decision by knowing what he was about to do. And he explains to the disciples who don't have a clue, it's from a burial. They didn't get the memo. Because oftentimes when God's sharing his heart with us, we're not listening. Remember last week we talked about how the disciples were falling asleep in prayer and Jesus is trying to say, can you stay awake? This is the most elite believers on the planet. And we missed it. I think they poured it on his head because two days later when he's crucified and the cross and the thorns is in his head and he moves on that cross and the blood pours out and it infuses with that perfume, I believe it would have released that perfume over him once again. It would have been the Lord's way of saying, son, I love you. I want my life to be poured out for Christ. Not a little bit. Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, they're going to have to deny themselves and carry my cross. I'm asking you to fast, not a little bit. I'm asking you to pour your life out in 100% obedience to what he's calling you to do. Remember this, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Can we put that on the screen? Where the Apostle Paul, Romans 12, 1, would say this. I, and so, my dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him.
Some of you are still struggling over your tithe. Jesus doesn't want 10% of your finances. He wants 100% of your finances. He wants 100% of your life. Present yourselves a living sacrifice. And I think about this passage. See, those of us that aren't hungry for God don't realize that how much we've sinned. But when the Lord, who is holy, shows me my sin, I can't help but thank God how much he receives me and wants to change me and is calling me. Did you know, church, that the enemy is moving so rapidly in our country right now that there are churches in America who have their strategy is to not use the word sin in their pulpits. I kid you not, we've been to conferences where they say, try to find another word for it so you don't make people feel bad. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the reality is, in, in, Mar, in Luke chapter 7, there's a woman who comes in and throws herself at Jesus' feet, and she's crying, and she's crying, and this time they're at a Pharisee's house. And all the Pharisees get mad because this woman was, was a harlot. This woman was a prostitute. And they're offended that she's even in the house. And they look, he looks at the disciples and go, I've been here, and none of you did anything great for me. But from the moment this woman came in, she won't stop seeking me. You want to know why? Because too much is forgiven, much is loved. But for those that think they haven't sinned, there's no love in their heart. Church, if you want to extravagantly love the Lord, if you want to get the Lord's attention, you're going to have to look down deep inside of you and see all the yuck that's really going on inside of you. And you're going to have to hate it. I want to love what God loves, and I want to hate what God hates. And in order to do that, you're going to have to pour your life out. This woman gave 100% of her finances to the Lord because she knew how much he did for her. Can you see it? I don't care if you were raised in the church and you never went out and partied. Have you lied? Have you been selfish? Did you not speak up when the Holy Spirit anointed you to tell someone about the love of Christ? Then you've disobeyed and vexed the heart of God. And the reason why Jesus crucified his son, the father gave his son, is because of sin. And if it's in you, it's in me. And if you want to draw near, heaven's, heaven's gates are wide open to those who recognize that they have sin in their life and need a savior. I need him to change me so that he can put a love inside of us that this world has never seen before. Can I get an amen from someone? I don't want a lukewarm church. I don't want a cool and popular church. I want what Jesus wants. I want a holy church. I want a church that cares more about the Father getting his attention than what you care about the person next to you, whether they're going to think that you're weird or awkward, because I don't care about your opinion. What I'm after is God's heart. And when Jesus looked down on her in the midst of his followers, he said, you know what? 
They're gonna tell her story for generations and generations and generations and generations. And I want a heart like that, that the Lord can look down and say, hey, heaven, everyone look, my son's worshiping right now. To all the men in the church, and you think that worship is for women, wake up, grow up, man. David was a man that killed thousands of people. He was a savage. He'd whoop Will Doyle in a second. And he'd get so undignified, man, the clothes would start coming off. And he said, I'm gonna get more undignified than this. I'm sorry, having a missing steak and a whole lot of other good food right now in my life. I'm asking you, will you build the church with me? Will you serve? Will you give your lives? Will you give your money and your time and your talents and your resources? Can we build the church that the gates of hell won't prevail against? Can we be the most radical, passionate thing on the planet? Some people used to be like, dude, Tim, you're, you're so passionate. One day that'll wear off. I swear. That's what they would tell me in my youth group. One day your passion will wear off. And when I see other people that are lovesick for Jesus, I remind myself, I don't want to love football as much as I love Christ. I don't want to love food as much as I love Jesus. I refuse to love my wife as much as I love Christ. I want to make sure that I love nothing more in my life than the cross of Calvary. Thank you guys for coming this morning. We're gonna close the service. Rach, would you come? I'm gonna just, I'm gonna stop saying this more often and it'll just become natural. But we're gonna close with an altar call. And if you wanna come, you can come. But once we bring everyone down, if you've received everything that you need to hear today, you're welcome to leave. Um, in our church right now, um, we need people to help us on the experience team, on the media team, at the kids' church. We need small group leaders because we don't want to just do more things. We want people in close-knit relationship with other people that want the same thing as you. Does that make sense? And so please understand, we want kids, youth, children, the first camera person in our church was my daughter when she was nine years old. And she started the camera ministry for our church. Fantastic, Mia. You're way better than these other camera people right now. <laughs> There's no camera people in here now. <laughs> but you're not too young to ever say yes to the Lord. You know, right now in China, there are lead pastors that are 15 years old. I think we just have to wake up and say yes to the Lord. Stop making excuses for why you're not where you want to be and just say yes. What I, what I know is that I'm not after religion. I'm not after a good church service. I'm after the Lord. Can I pray for you guys?
Lord, I thank you for people like this unknown woman whose story has been told for centuries that reminds me You are worthy of it all. Can you, can you have Amanda sing that song? <laughs> I wanted to sing it, but I'm not gonna. Lord, I pray right now that your spirit would be moved on your people. I pray, Lord, that call us to live lives worthy of the calling to which we were called. I pray that we raise the bar. That the bar isn't what pastor sets it at. The bar is what Christ Jesus set it at. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would move here. Church, if you're here today with everyone's eyes closed, if you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and you know and can identify the sin that the Lord is putting his finger on right now and you need his Holy Spirit to change you, will you raise your hand right now? And this is the church I want to be a part of. I'm proud of you. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.